where we empower you to make evidence-based, sustainable, and transformative changes for your health, leading to a more vibrant and fulfilling life. I'm your host, Abby Sacier, a non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and master's graduate from Columbia University. I believe that we can't make lasting or meaningful change single-handedly. So I'm so happy that you're here so that together you can see that a diet-free, sustainable, healthy lifestyle is possible, and you can leverage that to live a better life. And remember my disclaimer, this podcast is meant to give you general information and is not meant to substitute or replace medical advice, a diagnosis, or service treatment. I am so excited to dive into this episode. So the guest that we have today, her name is Sharona Schnall, and her Instagram handle is Your Jewish Nutritionist. And I've been following her account for a while, and I am just obsessed with it. And she has really hilarious content, and she is always just talking about um, how the nutritious components of nutrition and aren't the aren't the only aspects of our health that we need to focus on so she is really helping her audience expand their definition of what health is and i'm like i feel like i do a lot of that too like it's not just nutrition and exercise and um she incorporates faith and culture into her content and her healthy lifestyle and she gives that to her audience and she also helps to combat harmful nutrition and health information online. So she is writing a lot of wrongs, doing a lot of myth busting, which at Be About Being Better, we appreciate because we be out here doing that too. Uh, I'm really excited. She is a future registered dietitian. She is a graduate student in human nutrition at California State University, Northridge, and uh, she's a dietetic intern right now. So Oh, I know what it's like to be a dietetic intern and it is not fun, not great, but you learn a lot. Um, so she's about to be a registered dietitian like me as well. And I'm really excited for y'all to hear this episode. We just cover so much about faith and health and how those intersect. And I learned a lot about the Jewish culture and keeping kosher. And it, it really is an amazing episode. So thank you for being here and listening and I'll see you in the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Be About Being Better podcast. We got Sharona Schnall in the house. How's it going, girl? It's good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited for our audience to hear your perspective on things and your knowledge. I think it's it's Thank so you. great that you're here. And um, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this interview. Me too. Yay. All right. So for us to dive in, we're going to get to know you real quick, diving into the deep end. I always start with this question, but what is something hard that you've been through in your life that ultimately has made you better? Like now that you're on the other side of it, hindsight is 2020. What is, what is something that you've been through that now ultimately you're like, oh, okay, I'm actually grateful that I went through that experience because it's made Mm -hmm. me better. You know, that's really great that you asked that question, because um, in Judaism, there is an idea that everything is for the good. Like, even if you can't see it right now, like later, there are blessings in disguise or you might never know. So I'm like, that's like such a good way to start it off. Um, So even when something bad happens, we should try to think, okay, this is good, too, um, and have that positive mindset. So something I've been through is so I was in a Jewish private school for preschool and first to sixth grade. 
And then I had to switch schools to a public school for seventh and eighth grade mm -hmm. because of financial concerns, because it's like thousands of dollars. And I was already yeah. the third kid and um, other things that made it hard. And so I was very nervous about that because it's like a totally different environment being in like a just girls, like religious private institution mm -hmm. to like a normal public school. Um, and then it happened again in ninth and 10th grade. I was in a Jewish private school again. And then I got switched again to public school in 11th and 12th grade. So the back and forth was very difficult for me. Um, but then like I did get to experience something unique that most people haven't been to a private religious school and a public school and gone to see what mm. both is like. So when I think yeah. about it, I think of like Han Montana, like, oh, the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny that you say that too, because my sister, um, is also the youngest out of my mm -hmm. three siblings and mm -hmm. the same situation happened with her, like with my parents' oh, wow. divorce yeah. My, yeah, my parents dad divorced too. Yeah. Yeah. So you my feel dad. it like, you know, my yeah. dad literally sat both of us down and was like, one of you is going to uh, public school. So figure wow. it out. And, you know, I offered myself as tribute, but then through conversations with my sister, it made sense. Like I was going into 11th grade. My brother was a senior. So he was like, mm -hmm. we're not taking him out for senior year. So he was yeah. out of the question. But for me, it was like, um, you know, I could finish up my last two years, like 11th and 12th grade at the same place. But I was like, it also could be a good time to switch to, but my sister was going to be new and she was going to go into junior high for seventh grade. And all of the schools in our area were coming together to the public school. Like everyone was new. Um, it so, yeah. doesn't feel as bad when everyone's new. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So after conversations, like she was feeling, I mean, obviously nervous and similar feelings as you, but she, um, ended up you know, it was the it was the better choice out of the two of us, and she ended up being really grateful for it as well. I mean, she ended up going to Syracuse for college and realizing, like, oh wow, I actually thrive and really enjoy and prefer a larger class environment. Like, I would have never thrived at Syracuse in such a huge university for college. Like, I needed a little. I went to Dickinson College in Pennsylvania, super mm -hmm. small liberal arts. Yeah. Like, one of my classes only had three people in it. Like, I wow. I need that small personalized attention where she uh -huh. thrives in a bigger environment. So, all right, awesome. Well, I really appreciate wow. you. You know, you going through that and diving us in a little bit about you. And um, I don't know if everyone in my audience knows this. I mean, they know that I've had a significant relationship or you know, I dated my mm -hmm. college boyfriend for five years, but I don't know if a lot of people know that, that he was Jewish. And so we dated for five years. Mm -hmm. um, I loved his family, loved his mom. Um, but I definitely got to pick up through their family dinners and their events and their culture that it was very common to prioritize mealtimes and have family mm -hmm. mealtimes and just to make those very full, full of food, full yeah. of love. And, you know, in the Jewish culture, food is definitely a sign of love. So yeah. I would love to hear like your experiences with different Jewish mothers and how we can navigate some intuitive eating principles, respecting our fullness without, you know, offending some Jewish mamas that want to make sure yeah. that we're eating good. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question and like a very tough thing, especially mm -hmm. I'm half Persian. And so it's a Persian thing to want to feed people a lot and a Jewish thing. And so when you have a Persian Jewish mothers, it's even worse. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no. So I've been through that a lot. And it's like, 
in their mind, they're thinking, you're starving. And in your mind, you're like, I'm full, but you keep putting more food on my plate and pushing me. And then you get mad if I don't eat it. But then it's like, we don't want to be bloated and stuffed past fullness and everything. Right. You know, that's an issue. Um, and I've like talked to psychologists about it. And she was saying it might be from like generational trauma of like, you know, the when you think back of like mo- their mothers and their mothers and whatever, maybe they were like poor back then. Like, I know there's a stereotype that like Jewish people always have money or something, but like there's a lot of times that don't also. And it could be they're thinking like, oh, like, let's fill up just in case like that restriction mm. mindset, like a lot of things in Judaism reminds me of nutrition. Um, that's part of why yeah. like I made Jewish nutritionist because it's like, like how you talk about all the time on your page, when you have that restriction mindset, you're like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to see this food again. It makes you want to overdo it. Um, yes. And so partly what could help is like, because sometimes I get mad and I'd be like, why do you keep like trying to force me to eat when I told you I don't want it? And so it's like, mm-hmm. it's good to try to think about, okay, they have good intentions and it could be part of that like learned behavior over the years because of that history. Yeah, that scarcity. Yeah, that scarcity mindset. Oh, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yes. And so um, something could do is to say like, no, thank you, like with a smile and don't hesitate at all. Because if people see you're like thinking about it, then they're going to like push even more and like just mm-hmm. be consistent. Be like, oh, no, thank you. And like maybe instead of like, Maybe they want you to eat their food and compliment it. And you could still compliment it and be like, oh, this looks really good. Or wow, like I appreciate all your hard work. Or like you could explain how like I'm not hungry anymore. I don't want to feel sick or something like that. Because like they don't want to make you feel sick, obviously. Um, Or maybe just like, oh, give me a chance to catch up. Because like, you know how it takes time for the brain to know you're full. Like it's even more difficult when like my grandma also has dementia. So like I'll tell her and then she just forgot that I said that. And she oh no, oh, no, not the dementia. Oh no. <laughs> and she was pushing yeah. even before that. And now it's worse. Oh and- no. Yeah. But I like what you said too, is like compliment their cooking, say thank you, like show gratitude because mm-hmm. they want they want to be appreciated. And especially yeah. moms love mothering. They love momming on everybody. And if they are Mm -hmm. making the effort to prepare this whole meal, they might not be getting a lot of gratitude and appreciation. So if you can be the one to show that at the table, Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is so delicious. Like I'm good for now, but, um, but thank you. Or wonder if you could say like, oh, I'm like still working. Like, I think, you know, it takes still working on it. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Or like eating slower because it's like whenever they see your plate is starting to look empty, they want to keep filling it up. They should keep being full. So you just take longer and chew it longer and things or like just leave the extra food on there. Like don't force. So if they see there's food on there, then they'll like say less. And another thing is like this reminds me of that will we could touch on later, too, with kosher that like sometimes people offer me food that's not kosher. And I don't mm. want it because I keep that. And if I like hesitate, I'm like, like, part of me hesitates because I feel bad to say no. They're like, oh, they're going to get offended or something. But then I'm like, oh, no, I don't think so. But then they keep pushing and it like makes me uncomfortable when I don't want to eat it. So it's like similar with it, like the lessons we learn from like nutrition and talking with each other can apply to so many things. And mm. I guess it's just it acknowledging where they're coming from like we were saying just be like oh i know you 
want me to be full or like enjoy this too but like I'm okay I'm doing I'm feeling good or something like that maybe Mm, right. Like I've had enough. Like I'm really satisfied. Like that was, that was delicious. I feel good. And I like what you said too, is being confident when you say it, because if you're like yeah. hesitating, they might interpret that as, oh, did they not like the cooking or are they nervous or what's going on? So if you say it with confidence, that can go a long way. They could think, oh, maybe you're just being nice and shy and like you want to eat it. You just want to be told like, no, eat, eat, eat. Like maybe they're just being nice. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, like if you're actually full and you're good, don't be nervous about it. Just be confident and say it. So yeah, mm-hmm. what, could you dive into a little bit more about keeping kosher? What are mm-hmm. you know the rules for that? And also what are some misconceptions or common myths around keeping kosher? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So um, one of the main things is you don't eat meat and milk together. So for example, can't have a cheeseburger, like not just milk, like dairy products and meat is not just beef. It would also include uh, like chicken and turkey, but something like um, fish wouldn't be counted as meat. That'd be a separate category. That's like parv. That's neither meat nor dairy. Parv isn't the same thing as vegan. It's similar, but like an egg could be parv, neither meat or dairy, but egg is not vegan. So it's not exactly the same. Um, but like, yeah, you won't find any milk or animal products in something that's parv. The purpose of parv is like, let's say I'm eating a meat dinner of chicken and I want some kind of like chocolate dessert after. So it it makes sure that, oh, there's no, it's not milk chocolate. There's no milk at all added. It's like completely dark. And Mm -hmm. another part of it is that you want to look for kosher symbols. So like there's certain animals you can and cannot eat. Like, for example, uh, we don't eat shellfish, like no lobster and crabs and shrimp and squid and things like that. Like our version of sushi is like very different. Um, and you don't have pig. You um, don't have catfish. You don't have birds of prey. And part of it is because you are what you eat. And so you don't want to have that kind of personality. Um, and then I feel like there's so many things to say about kosher. I'm like, wait, did I say this? I would assume that most people don't know. And, you know, there was in my college cafeteria, they had the kosher line and like a specific designated section. And sometimes I would go in the line because I'm like, oh, that looks good. But I had no idea what it meant to keep kosher. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I I learned a little bit about this for my RD exam. Mm -hmm. Um, and you'll be prepped for that section for sure. You'll be checking all those boxes because it'll give you a list of meals. Like one of them will be like a cheeseburger with fries or, you know, something with yeah. shellfish and like, which one, you know, yeah. if you are Jewish, like which one could you eat? Um, and then, yeah. you know, they have other ones for like different religions as well. So you have to kind of yeah. like, through like, oh, oh what, what's for this religion? Yeah. So like, that's a good point you made about the cafeteria line. Like sometimes they'll have a kosher section and it's all like packaged and taped up and things because they have to make sure not to get anything else in there. And because they couldn't make it in that kitchen, they shipped it from somewhere else because you mm. need a kosher kitchen for kosher. Just like someone, if they have like a severe gluten intolerance with celiac disease, um, like they can't even have something that the pot and pan that was used to cook gluten is now used to cook their food, even though there's no gluten in their food. It still mm. transfers a little the bit. Cross just, yeah. Yeah, the cross-contact, yeah. Yeah, the cross-contamination, like you with kosher too, has to be certain pans and things are just for kosher. You have certain pans and microwaves that are just for me and are just for dairy and it transfers through heat um and another thing is to look for kosher symbols because uh, for example like the meat is slaughtered a different way and uh, like they do a blessing on it but they also check in the lungs if there's diseases 
They can't use a gun. They can't take an animal that was already dying and sick. Um, like they do like more humane practices. Like they do it on um, a certain nerve and with a really sharp knife that they die basically instantly. They're like we don't want the animal to suffer and feel uh, pain. Uh, they put also some more spaces of like where the cattle are raised. They're not squished as much um, and different things like that is part of it. Or also what's interesting is a lot of products, even though they'll say vegetarian or vegan on it, uh, they could still have animal things added to it if it's under a certain percentage. Like, you know, like how trans fats aren't supposed to be legal, but like it could still be if it's under 1% or 0.5 or something mm, like that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they don't have to report everything. So it's the same that like there will be vegan products like juice or dry fruit or something like that. That like they'll use some insects for coloring a little bit of the insect juice, but they're not going to write it on the ingredients label. And an insect right, is still so an animal. Small. So that's oh like, that's not vegan. Or like there's right. some um, companies like Nutrisystem, they have some kind of vegetarian weight loss things. And oh, no. oh yeah, it says all vegetarian, but like they use like animal little products things for some of it. If you like look it up and read article about wow. it. Wow. Yeah. If you needed another reason to not do Nutrisystem other than diets don't work, they're lying on their labels and they're you're eating insects. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want those things either. And then I found that out too. And I'm like, oh my God. And this happens with um, a lot of products. And so this with kosher, it's like a stricter supervision and like they hire extra people to look at things, stuff separate to make sure it is what it says it is. Um, And there's also different levels. Like for the dairy products, there's Chalav Yisrael, which is like a Jewish person did it. And then there's regular, which, um, which like a lot of products are like the OUD. So if someone's not sure something's kosher and they want to know, you could just Google it and it's really easy. And there's a lot of different symbols to look for. The OU and the OK are some of the most popular. And a lot of products are actually kosher that people eat that don't even realize they don't keep kosher. Like Cheez-Its are kosher. Chex Mix is kosher. Um, Like a bunch of like products you see everywhere. Um, And yeah, those are some of the main things. I feel like there's so much yeah, to say. I but love that. yeah. Are there any other like myths or misconceptions you want to talk about? Or do you feel like you hit on those? Oh yeah. So a lot of people think that kosher is healthier. And they're like, oh, I want to do the kosher diet to like lose weight or just like to be healthier, this or that. And like it's not for that. It's, it's very similar and it's more like for spiritual reasons. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a big myth. Uh, another thing is some people say like you have to have a separation like not just you can't like some people think oh if I'm eating it separate like I'm having a hamburger and I take a bite of that and then I drink a glass of milk and then this I'm not eating in the same bite it's okay it's separate no but it's still part of the same meal so you can't have like a or like you can't be like I'm gonna have a dairy dessert but like a meat dinner like it has to have a separation that and it's also based on the customs of where you're from some people will wait three hours after eating meat until you have dairy some will say one hour some will say six hours and then for dairy some will wait 30 minutes or an hour after because meat takes longer to digest so that's why there's more separation between so yeah that that might be a myth too that's like oh you only have to wait an hour or this it's like no it depends on your custom um or that people think oh, this is kosher, but for some uh, restaurants or something, but some places they'll write kosher even though they're not actually 
It's just kosher mm. style, which means yeah. like, oh, this is Jewish cultural food, or we just don't need milk together. Yeah. So, so there definitely are a lot of rules to keep. And yeah. um, I, living in our diet culture world where people are so like, we already have a lot of pressure and rules externally outside mm-hmm. of a religious context. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, you know, people in the Jewish community are even more at risk for disordered eating and eating disorders because of so many food rules? Wow. That's a good point. Like I never thought about that, but I don't think so because like, it's like there's still a lot of different options with kosher. And then, I don't know, I grew up with it, so I'm just used to it. So it's normal to me. Um, sometimes people develop it later on. But, like, I've never heard about that, about it making more disordered eating. But there still are other issues that are more common in the Jewish communities with nutrition. That I feel like there's a culture to just, like, constantly eat and to overdo it and to have, like, multiple different courses and then it's like even when you're like so stuffed like I'm about to explode I feel like I need surgery and there's so many different things they're like oh let's have yeah. more yeah <laughs> and then it sounds like they could do some intuitive eating respecting our fullness for sure yeah and it could seem like you're being rude that oh you don't want to try this or this and there's like a million different things um or like something else that's a concern with the Jewish community mm-hmm. is that like we have to take care of our health is what God wants so why are we like keeping so strict to certain religious practices but then a lot of religious people are like not eating nutrient-dense food and overeating and not excising and other things yeah absolutely and we had uh, one of our clients come on and she observes ramadan and she came to talk about how to approach that month of fasting Mm-hmm. with a non-diet mindset. And she was really fortunate to be in one of our coaching programs at the time of Ramadan. So we, I could be working with her on that and then we recapped her experience on the podcast because mm-hmm. there were certain things that she had to keep, but what kept her going, I mean, definitely listen to the episode because there's more nuance to what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. We'll link it in the show notes, but she f- kept her eye on the spiritual aspect. Yeah. And she kept, you know, the spiritual practices or, you know, for us, it would be scriptures and, you know, the word that keeping those at the front of mind so Mm -hmm. that even though, yes, there are certain rules to keep from a religious aspect, like not letting diet culture come in and infiltrate that, but keep it on the why, why are we doing this? What is the, how is this getting us, you know, closer to God or closer spiritually, mm-hmm. more connected, transforming mm-hmm. us in a spiritual way? Like if you keep your eye on that, then you yeah. know you have the right motivations and doing it for the right reasons. Because I also see it in the Christian community, mm-hmm. like my church does, you know, prayer and fasting and mm-hmm. people will be starting a new diet and they're like during the prayer and fasting or they'll do a three-week fast and they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're doing it to lose weight and doing it out of vanity. And that um, is counter counterproductive, very disordered. So when we yeah. keep our eye on the spiritual aspect and the why, that can be helpful to mitigate someone's risk, but still, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ob- observing their religious beliefs. Yeah. And I think what could help is if you have like a community supporting you, like if you're going to do a religious fast, mm. be in your church or temple, like around other people and doing your prayers and learning and like remembering like to help you see, oh, that's why I'm doing it. 
Yeah, absolutely. You definitely need community. I talk about that so much on the podcast that there mm-hmm. is such power in community, but you need that for accountability and you need close yeah. people in your community that would hold you accountable and like lovingly correct you and point those things out to you. People that you have trust with that would mm-hmm. be able to, you know, see those things and call that out to you so that you are keeping your eye on the spiritual aspect versus yeah. making it very disordered. Well, September is a really big month yeah. for Jewish holidays. And mm. so that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was to, you know, help our audience members that observe those holidays. How can we best optimize those? So what are some like common cultural dishes and how would you make those more nutrient dense? Thank you for asking. So for Rosh Hashanah, which is like the Jewish New Year coming up, common thing is apples and honey. And someone might be like, oh, honey, there's sugar, bad. Da, da, da. Okay. But like, we don't want to think bad and good as you teach right um and like i feel like that's very common in jewish culture or other places too especially when people learn oh you study nutrition and they start getting defensive like oh i don't usually eat these bad foods or this or that around me and i'm like like chill i'm not judging you (laughs) um but so we could think like okay approach it with the mindset like how you say there's no moral area with food like it's just food Mm And some are more yes. nutrient dense, some are less nutrient dense. And we just want to do what makes us feel good. Like if we overdo it and have a bunch of apples and honey because we feel like, oh, I don't let myself have this ever, then we might feel sick and like we're not going to be satisfied. We might be extra hungry because we're like, that's not balanced. Whereas like the protein and fat and things. Um, mm. So maybe if someone's going to do that, like you still fill up on like your vegetables and your protein, like eat like um, your meals and like enjoy it and savor it and like with mindful eating like you're gonna eat slowly you're gonna like appreciate it um I notice sometimes if I eat food like while closing my eyes a bit it like tastes even better and I because I guess one of your senses are off the others are stronger like that's something like um and so yeah and then another thing is like sweet noodle kugel which is a lot of sugar and things like that but you could do again just like pairing it with the protein and just I would say like have one or two pieces um, and just not be having like going back and forth, like in a rush. Like I know sometimes I've overdone it, done it on treats because maybe part of me felt guilty. Like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. Let me just like have as much as I can now. I won't have it later. Or like, yeah, there's a scarcity mindset you're talking about. But like, I think a lot of how we could get through the holidays is the mindset and preparation that like don't say, oh, I have to save my calories all day. And then because I'm going to eat these things at night and then we're like starving and like have way too much um, and it's hard to get through the day. So just like eating regularly and balanced meals, like drinking enough water. Um, Another thing is like we have a lot of fruit for some holidays like Roshana and the pomegranates, dates and other things. I'd say like uh, maybe like not having too much of the dates because those are like really intense for me at least that like I have like a couple and I'm like that's satisfying enough um, I know some people like to put peanut butter in their dates I've seen that as a thing I guess that could give it some more protein and fat because yeah, or like absolutely yeah fried eggplant is another uh, common thing I guess if we want to make it more nutritious we could um, bake it and then gefilte fish is another common thing which is like different fishes together it's already like pretty healthy it's an appetizer and it's recommended like in Jewish culture from like a ancient scholar not to have fish and meat on the same plate and have fish first mm-hmm. as the appetizer, which is interesting. 
Um, another thing is lasagna is a common Jewish food I see served. It's like a bunch of cheese and pasta. We don't add any meat to it, which a bunch of people find strange. They're like, I've never had it with that. And I would say make it more balanced, like add a bunch of broccoli and vegetables to it. Like that could bump up the fiber and like also taste really good. Maybe add some like black beans to it. I love black beans with cheese. Um, yeah. yeah, these are some examples. There's challah bread. You could have whole wheat if you wanted it um, or balanced or sometimes when I've done that, it was too intense for my family. So at least half whole wheat or like if we want less sugar because we're already having desserts and you could do more of a savory challah that's more with like rosemary and garlic and herbs. That tastes really good too. Yum. That sounds so good. <laughs> what yeah. would you put on matzah? Because obviously matzah can mm-hmm. be very plain tasting, but you can almost make like as if you were going to do like an avocado toast, like you could oh have God. the matzah be your base. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what, what would you recommend putting on matzah? Yeah. Matzah is great for Passover and I still eat matzah sometimes during the year, like yesterday, and I put avocado on it is good, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, some turkey could be good on it for protein. It tastes really good, the combo, actually. Or avocado and egg. Um, or like matzah pizza, we like to do too. Ooh. And it's good. And I guess like also putting some veggies on it could be good. And um, you can't have like pepperoni on it because that's meat. I guess could do a soy meat though if you still wanted something similar to that and some more protein. Yeah. Could mm-hmm. you put chicken on there or no? Yeah, you could put chicken like if it's not with the cheese, like just chicken and matzah, but not like on the pizza. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. We'll get some ideas there for sure. <laughs> or sometimes people have matzah brai, which is kind of like a omelet in a way. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that when you – like mix the matzah into like the egg scramble. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Kind of you break it up, you soak it. And it's like, it's kind of similar. It's like a matzah omelet or matzah French toast or something like that. But like during Passover, it really is a struggle. Like there's a lot of limitations, especially for like there's Ashkenazi and there's Sephardi, which are like two different types of like Jewish people from like the region you're from. And so when you're Ashkenazi, like you can't have rice during Passover, you can't have corn, you can't have um, beans and bread and a bunch of different things. It's not just no bread. So that could be a struggle that feels like all there is to eat is like potatoes and sugar and things. But what you could still do is like even fish on the matzah, I think could be a good idea with avocado and other things or like have a lot of vegetables and protein and things. And it's definitely a struggle. But like, as you said, we think about it as for the spiritual reasons and we're like, oh, we're not going to do this forever and could think, okay, even if we felt like we were bad quotation marks, which like we need to not shame ourselves anymore. Like I know in the past I felt like that. I was like, oh, I had so much grape juice during Passover because you have like the four cups of wine. I'm like, oh, this is so much sugar. And now I feel like I need to restrict myself or I feel guilty, but then that just leads to unhealthy behaviors. So I feel like just enjoy savor the moment, understand why, and and then move on from it, right? Right, exactly. And the Bible even talks about like f- feasting and like having these elaborate meals mm-hmm. and taking time to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's definitely in there and, you know, both Old Testament and New Testament. And so we shouldn't feel guilty around the holidays 
And we should really take the time to celebrate and be present with the people that we're with. And like you said, taking time during the meal to slow down and savor each bite. And um, our episode from the week before talked about how to honor our hunger and respect our fullness. So if Mm y'all missed that episode, definitely go and listen to that because you'll gain a lot of tips from there that will help you when you enter these seasons. Yeah. And being happy at certain points is actually like a commandment or a mitzvah from the Torah. So you're so right. Like we should enjoy and celebrate. Like I know there's a die culture thing that's like, oh, food is only for fuel. It's not for enjoyment. But like, no, that's not true. And that's not what it should be. And like, we should enjoy our life and include all cultural dishes too. Yes, I completely agree. There are other needs that you can meet, other purposes for food, not just for fuel. They can meet mm-hmm. an emotional, mental and emotional need, a social connection, celebration. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love that. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some scriptures that you hold on to and you keep focused on either during these mm-hmm. holidays to keep you focused on uh, you know, doing the food rules for the right reasons or just in general mm-hmm. for living a healthy lifestyle? Yeah. So Maimonides is an ancient Jewish philosopher and scholar. He would uh, warn against extremes, and even he mm-hmm. advocated for rest and routine. And so yeah. that's a really good thing yeah, to think about. Yes, like, that's so <laughs> non-diet. Yes, yeah. I love that. We need so, to rest. We need to avoid extreme. Diet culture wants yeah. you to do the extreme thing. The all it's or like, nothing. No. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, that's so good. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. And um, it's just like if someone grew up not that religious or a lot of people that are Jewish, they don't even realize they were Jewish when they grew up and then later they figure it out. And so they want to start becoming more religious. And it's recommended, don't just take on everything at once. Like if they want to start keeping kosher, like you're saying, there's a lot of rules. It can be complicated. Don't just like, oh, I'm going to be all totally kosher from now on. Like small steps, like you always talk about. Like, okay, how about... I'm first not going to have meat and milk together. Like, okay, this isn't a kosher certified meat or kosher certified milk. My kitchen isn't kosher yet. And um, whatever, different things. But like, at least that's the first thing, not going to have meat and milk together. And another thing could be like, okay, maybe I'm going to include like uh, one new kosher food into my diet this week and focus on, like you say, what you can eat instead of what you can't. Um So that's another thing to think about with the extremes and the all or nothing. And like, that's how you stay with it in the sustainable long term. If you take everything all on at once, you're going to get burned out and overwhelmed and then like just be back at the beginning or worse. So like that relates to like choosing nutrition, like so much we see that. And I think it's also important to remember that we have a loving God. Mm-hmm. I think so many people think yeah. that God is this like domineering, controlling, mm-hmm. um, like someone that's condemning us. And when we do something mm-hmm. wrong, we're going to get, you know, shot with a, a lightning <laughs> bolt. We're going to be struck down. Yeah. It's like, no, we have such a loving God that shows us grace yeah. and mercy and compassion. And yeah. um, if you have thoughts in your head, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or you're feeling mm-hmm. a lot of shame. And actually in my, my small group, we were talking about Mm -hmm. the difference between guilt and shame recently. And sometimes guilt, you know, can be very convicting, like, oh, maybe we have done, you know, something that maybe wasn't in alignment with our values or whatever it was, but shame is different. It's like, not just that you did something wrong, but you are wrong. And like, that is really something to take note of. It's like, that is not from God. Like God does not shame any of us. If we have those thoughts, like that, that is not from God and that's not the voice of God. Yeah. Because 
I learned something similar too. That like if you hear voices are just putting yourself down and it's not make you productive. They say that's the Yetzer Hara. It's how you say in Hebrew, which means evil inclination. And it's the thing that whenever you're leveling up and then you get like voices are like putting you down like oh you're not good enough you can't do that this or that like that's the evil inclination like that's its job that like it tries to put you down and like you have to know like when there's negative voices um about yourself and it's just like hard criticisms like that yeah that's not god and that's not from you that's from the thing that wants to stop you um so yeah that's really important what you were saying and another thing like you're like oh god's not all like wanting to hurt you and things like God's like a loving parent and he loves you so much. They say you should think he made the world just for you. Meaning that like, Mm -hmm. you're not just like, Oh, one out of billions of people, you're insignificant. No, like he cares about every single person. And like, you're born here for a reason. And like, you're here because you have a purpose. And so you could think about that to try to love yourself and be like, you know, God believes in me and he's so amazing. So I should believe in myself. Mm, yes. Oh, that's so good. I was just reading in Isaiah 43, mm-hmm. where he's, you know, like he who created you, he who formed you, he talks about Israel oh, yeah. and Jacob and oh, like just, mm-hmm. just so good. Yes, I completely agree. Are there any like specific scriptures that come to mind for you that you also cling to? There's so many. I guess like one of them is love your fellow as yourself, um, which mm-hmm. is Leviticus 19.18. And they say you need to love yourself first to properly love others. And so I think about that because like, I really love other people and I want to help people. But it's like they say, oh, you have to put on your oxygen mask first. And like, that's still something I struggle with, but I've been doing better. Like, but if I just like keep giving, 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 like I won't have anything left to give. Just like that giving tree story. Like there's so many similarities you could see in things, even that like aren't Jewish text. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's really important. Another one, it's from Rabbi Lauren Eichler Birkin. He said, when we are depleted of our own resources, we are incapable of providing for those around us. So mm-hmm. I really want to care and help others. I need to make sure that I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I talk about this so much on the podcast too. So I love that you're confirming because I think it's really important yeah. for people listening to the podcast Mm-hmm. Uh, to he, yes, hear me say things, but hear other people say things in in their own way. So, y'all, this goes back to what I talk about all the time that the missus comes mm-hmm. first. M R S, me first, responsibility second, serving others third. And so, mm-hmm. if you really care about your roles and responsibilities, the people that you're serving, you will put yourself first, take care of yourself, fill up mm-hmm. your pitcher, so that you actually have something to pour into other people. Mm-hmm. Another thing from the Babylonian Talmud or Eruvine 65a, it says the night was created for no other purpose than sleep. Like really, mm-hmm. like what else do you do at night? And we see like our body makes us sleep. Like you're going to eventually fall asleep even if you try not to. So that reminds us that like, God cares. Like we need to rest. Like there's a hustle culture that's like, oh, I should feel guilty for resting, relaxing. I don't know. We shouldn't because like we're meant to like there's proof. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we need we need to rest. We need that. And that's just another cue that our bodies are so smart and we can trust mm-hmm. the signals and cues coming from our body because mm-hmm. we, we get that cue to rest and we know that we're supposed to and that's innate for us. But diet culture wants to tell us that for you know, every cue that our body's sending us, whether that's hunger or fullness, that that's mm-hmm. that we need to suppress that or do something different or rely on something external to control our body signals. When like, no, mm-hmm. really, it's all internal. We can trust our body's innate wisdom. 
it feels like so simple, but at the same time, a radical idea. Like, what? I could trust my body? Because, like, in this culture, it feels like, no, I can't trust myself. I need to be told what to do. Like, yes, what? exactly. Girls, what I'm telling everybody every day. It, yes. Yeah. It's such a simple thing, but it's radical all at the same time. I love how you said that. Is there anything yeah. else as far as, you know, with your culture, with eating, keeping kosher, like anything else that you feel like our audience should know or anything else you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, we could go over some more like scriptures that I really like and like what we think yeah. of them is that like in the Talmud sure. Bavli, it says, if you take on too much, you have taken on nothing. So it goes on more to what we say that like, mm-hmm. you're just trying to do everything at once. You're not really going to do anything successfully. So like, I think this relates to how you always talking about like one step at a time, one habit at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And like master that, take that step and take it fully mm-hmm. so that you can take the next step and you'll actually get somewhere a lot farther and be more successful mm-hmm. and have better competence in that area versus trying to be scattered, have your attention, resources, energy, time, all the things scattered between a million different things you don't get as far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love that. Another thing is it's a great mitzvah to be happy, Rabbi Nachman says, and like that's the thing in the Torah. But then at the mm-hmm. same time, like partly that could cause feelings of guilt and shame that you think like, oh, if you're not feeling happy, now you're like, oh, now am I sinning or something? So I think it's good, like just like with anything and like with diet culture, nutrition, all these, everything could always be misinterpreted. So it's just like, like eating healthy food, like diet culture doesn't own that. Like we can eat healthy food without being on a diet. And so also mm-hmm. that it's okay that like we don't need to be extreme that yes, it's a mitzvah be happy, but also our feelings are valid if we're upset about something and we can feel our feelings. And like sometimes you have to like read more into it. Like there's other parts of the Torah that do explain how like, oh, there are times to be more sad, like when you're in mourning or other things, but just like you don't want to dwell in it too much. And so yeah, I just see a lot of themes with like the all or nothing mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And I think leaning more into your spirituality and your faith, reading the text can help if you are experiencing disordered eating habits or you're recovering from an eating disorder, reading the text and kind of analyzing and seeing how this either goes against diet culture. I just think it can help you heal from all of that Mm. and give you a different perspective. Um, And kind of teach you like, no, this is how eating is supposed to be. This is how mealtimes are supposed to be experienced and how Mm -hmm. diet culture and how the world has Mm -hmm. shifted things around to change our perspective. Like that's not right. And that wasn't the original intention. So I think diving more into your spirituality can actually help heal a lot of those things and undo what the world has kind of brainwashed us with. I know there's so much brainwashing. Sometimes I wish I could... (laughs) I wish I could wash it the other way, like just take out my brain and give it a deep cleaning, get rid of all no. the nasty brainwashing of the other ones and put back in. Literally, literally. Oh, so good. Which I also feel like like reading scripture and like diving into spirituality, I feel like that has been very cleansing yeah. for me and like rewiring some of my thoughts. So hey, there, yeah. there's power to it for sure. Yeah. Oh, another thing you reminded me of is how like meditation you know is so good for our health always talk about and for me like when I try it I get more anxiety but if I do prayer it really helps so it's like that could be a different form of meditation 
And another thing to keep in mind is like, ask God for help, ask professionals for help. Like you're not alone. Mm, Yes, absolutely. And even if you like feel alone, like you're never lonely because God is always with you and God is always near. And a quote that I heard recently was like, if God feels far, he's not the one who moved. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. That was really convicting for me. I was like, I'm going to share that. I feel like we could go on and on. Like there's so much to say about these topics and like it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much crossover between Mm. diet culture and our health and spiritual text. Mm. And um, so I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and the scriptures that have stuck out to you. I feel like God has really called me recently to speak biblical truth into the health industry. Mm. And I'm like, God, I don't know what that that means. I don't don't know what that looks like. But it's interesting because every time I say that to Mm. someone, they have the same reaction as you. It's like, I see that for you. And I'm like, wow, that's really confirming. So like, praise God for that. Um, So thank you. Yeah, I'm really interested in it. And I just, it's so organic. I'm like, I'm just seeing these connections. And I know that that's not an accident. Yeah. So awesome. Okay, but we always close out with our guests with the same question. But what's something you're going to do this week to make your week better? Something I really be wanting to do more is more positive affirmations and relating it to the reason why, like the purpose, which is like motivating. Or it's like, for example, like, I'm working on passing my driving exam. And so instead of just being like, oh, I can pass it or like I'm passing it. Something to do is like I'm learning to drive with God's help and because and I can do it because I'm capable and this is going to like help me accomplish my goals and get places I need to go. Like something like that, like to be more mindful of like how I'm talking to myself and to, and when I'm doing prayers, to think of why is this important to me and my capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. We need more positive affirmations in our life for sure. We have such yes. a negativity bias. There's a Jewish book called Positivity Bias that talks about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Everyone go read that. If you have a negativity <laughs> bias, which we all do, you probably need a positivity bias. Love it. Awesome. Well, Sharona, thank you so much for hopping on the Be About Being Better podcast today. I appreciate your time and, and your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Hey, y'all. Thanks again for listening to the Be About Being Better podcast. I so appreciate you. If this episode made you laugh, smile, think about yourself or your life differently in any way making your life better, I empower you to share the show with three people who, just like you, need to hear this message and have this type of transformation in their lives. I personally read all the reviews of the show and see the Instagram story shares and honestly gives me so much joy to see that our mission is making people's lives better and the reviews really do help in increasing our impact so thank you so much for taking the time to do that if you need personalized support with anything discussed in today's episode or need help creating a sustainable diet-free lifestyle take my quiz it's linked below in the show notes and that quiz will help you see which one of our coaching programs is right for you thank you so much again for listening and here's to being about being better